0: Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. So the children of Israel are on this journey and on this cusp, but before going in, their leader Moses sends out 12 people to spy out the land. Every one of them is a person of influence. They're all leaders. He says, go in there and then come back and tell us what it looks like. Let's pick it up. It's a long passage, but I want you to stay with me all the way through it. Numbers 13, verse 23. Then they came to the valley of Eshkol and there they cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. They carried it between two of them on a pole. They also brought back some of the pomegranates and figs. The place was called the Valley of Eskol because of the cluster which the men of Israel cut down there. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. You know, in the Bible, the number 40, and I'm not going to get stuck in this, but the number 40 always refers to testing. It always refers to a time of waiting before you enter in. Can I suggest to you today that many of you right now are in your 40 days. You're in the time where there's testing, but I believe that God has the end of that testing in place for you. I believe that God has for every single one of us today, the the promised land, the land of fulfillment that's ahead for every one of us. And I want you today with all my heart that you will lean in and not let it just settle on the neighbour next to you, But every single one of us, no matter how long the journey's been, whether you've had your 400 years of slavery and now the 40 days of testing and trial, no matter how long it is while you think about and you dream about the answer to your prayers, I want you today to take a hold by faith and say, God, I'm going to see that. It's going to come to pass in my life. So verse 26, now they departed, came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. So they're coming back with massive grapes, pomegranates and figs. But the place where they are gathering to hear the good news is itself a wilderness. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation. They showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. Never... Less. Nevertheless, we see it. We know that it's there. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified. They're very large. And we saw the descendants of Anak there. They were the giant race. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains. Canaanites dwell by the sea. And along the banks of the Jordan, in other words, they're saying we thought we were coming to an easy place. Instead, we're coming to a place that is populated by enemies. Can I say to you, every single one of us, where the church of Jesus Christ goes has always been populated by the enemies of the gospel. I'm not talking about people. The Bible says in Ephesians, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and powers. I don't know why we're ever so surprised you know, that the name of Jesus is the name of divinity most often used as a swear word. You'll never hear somebody on a building site hit their finger and shout the name of Buddha or shout the name of some other religious god of some kind or other. Why is it always the name of Jesus? Because the name of Jesus is the name that's got power. The name of Jesus and anything the enemy can do to make that mighty name become just a commonplace thing, a familiar thing, something of little value, the more he can point out to you the failings of the church and wherever they have been, they have not been the failings of the Holy Spirit. They've been the failings of men and women who should have known better, and unfortunately were human and did not do all they could have done or should have done. And yet, the 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 place where we go has got enemies there. And verse thirty says, "Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses." This is what we need in our hour and day: is for people to stop. Despite the enemies, despite the difficulties and say, let us go up at once and take position for we are well able to overcome it. Not God can do it. But we are well able to overcome it. But the men who were with him said, we are not able to go up against the people. They're stronger than us. Though they had never engaged one in battle, though they had never had an arm wrestle with a one, this is what they believed. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they'd spied out saying, the land through which we went is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants, Of Annex, I referred to earlier, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. You know, nobody else can control how you see you. It wasn't because the giants thought they were grasshoppers. That would have made no difference at all. David looked, uh, sorry, Goliath looked at David and said, why have you come to me? You're but a boy. Am I a dog that you come to me with a stick? And you know, in the end of the battle, it didn't matter what Goliath thought of David. It mattered very much what David thought of David. And can I say to you today, regardless of what the giants out there might think about the church or what you might hear about the church or what you might ever know about it, for thousands of years, people have predicted the end of the church and that the Gospel would just be a thing in history museums or in books like that. But the reality is that to this day, the Gospel is progressing and, and spreading across the earth in remarkable and dramatic ways. Uh, we've just planted our 100 122nd church in the north of India in the most militant and hostile place of all the states. What a remarkable thing. What a remarkable thing. What a remarkable. I've got to get, this is not even my message. I'm just reading the scripture. And uh, so the congregation lifted up. Oh God, there's so much in this. The congregation lifted up their voice and cried. Why? Because they believed something that wasn't true. Your emotions are always going to follow what you believe. Your emotions are going to follow those things. And uh, and all the people wept that night. The children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, listen to this. If only we died in the land of Egypt. If only we died in this wilderness. Why has the Lord, oh God, why has the Lord brought us up to this land? If they'd stopped there and answered the question, they would have said, because it's the land of promise, because it's the land flowing with milk and honey, because we're destined to have it. But unfortunately, they never stopped with the question of God, why have you brought me here? They went on and added their own interpretation to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims. Wouldn't it have been better for us to return to Egypt? It often seems to me at any rate that God's in the business of bringing opportunities to us that seem too big for us. It seems to me that if you can accomplish the vision on your own, it most likely doesn't have the stamp of God. Because so often when God puts His hand on you and when God calls you, the first thought we have is it's too much or it's too big or who am I? Moses said that. Lots of people in the Bible said that. Peter said, depart from me, Lord, I'm an unclean man. I don't have the wherewithal to be somebody who's the right hand man of the Messiah. And yet Jesus chose him. Why? Because God, listen to me, God knows you better than you do. God knows you better than you do. God knows what you're capable of in ways that you and I have no concept. God knows what He's able to do. If He can find a willing heart, a place where faith can land and where the grace of God can take up residence, if you and I will be like that, if we'll let God do that, there is no telling what on earth God can do. But if you get to face an opportunity, that seems to big. Here's a couple of things that we all need to do. Number one, don't look at your path to discover your future. Don't look at your yesterdays to discover what on earth is going to happen up ahead. There's no place you're going to come to that's a surprise to God that He hasn't already prepared the answer for. Maybe you've failed badly some way or other in life. Maybe you've had struggles in the past and you go, Jeff, it's all too hard. Jeff, I I can't be that. I've crossed over. I'm too far gone. We will always, I believe, in our life, we will always look at our past or the temptation is there to discover what our future. Here's number two. Don't let your past decide between good and good enough. Numbers 13, verse 19, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad. Numbers 14, verse 7, they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying the land we passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. They went to this place. Thank you. Yeah. They went to this place. Now that's a bunch of grapes. Just to prove they're real, that's not plastic. These guys go to a land that's good. They come back Two men carrying one bunch of grapes. You might go, that's hard to believe. Well, I don't think, it, you know, I saw a pumpkin the other day, a picture of a pumpkin, pumpkin that was 300 kilos. Yes. So a bunch of grapes. I'm sure God could do that if that's what He needed to do. My point is this. These guys come back with all of that and they're willing to let go but the good for the good enough. That'd be like you having the opportunity for this. And instead you go, how about you take a couple of sultanas instead? How about you grab a couple of sultanas instead? What's the difference between good and good enough? Is this that God has good for us. And too often the pressure and the temptation comes for us to settle for good enough. It's not so bad back there. At least we had a home. At least we knew what tomorrow would bring. Maybe if we go back to Egypt, maybe I know it was bad, but you know, isn't it funny how yesterday can seem not so bad sometimes. Egypt's good enough for us, you know. And God all the whole way wants to give them good, but they're going to take good enough. Listen to me today because many of us here, you know, the enemy will whisper to you and say, "Look, don't push so hard. Don't believe that's outrageous. That's too much. You know, that's a miracle. You know, you know, why not settle for just survival?" Why not just allow God just to do a small thing? Ecclesiastes 7 verse 10 says this. It says that we are not wise when we inquire why were the former days better than these? God says that's foolish thinking and foolish questions when I start looking. Because I, I thought about this because I've been away in Queensland where I was born and where I come from and where a lot of people know me for a long time. And you wouldn't believe how many people would come up to me and go, do you remember me? Most of them, I said, sorry, no, I don't actually. And uh, some of them were, some of them were mightily offended that I didn't remember them. And uh, then lots of them would say to me, oh, those were the good old days. And one guy said that to me on Sunday night. said, those were the good old days. I said, no, that's rubbish. (laughs) Literally, I said, that's rubbish. I said, I was there. They weren't that good. I said, good things are happening today. They were talking about somebody that got and healed dramatically many years ago when I was in Toowoomba. And so I told them the story about someone who got healed here only a year or so ago in equally dramatic fashion. It's very easy to put the great things of God into yesterday. Yeah. You know, back when Catherine Cohen was alive, Billy Graham was alive, somebody rather else. Without understanding the Holy Spirit He's not a prisoner of a personality and He's not the prisoner of a time. He's not the prisoner of some season. But if we are open to God, don't let your past decide what's good and what's just good enough. Don't let your yesterdays, listen to me, don't let your yesterdays decide for you how much you deserve, what you can get, what you can ask for, how much you can ask God to do. If you're going to have a miracle, why not ask Him for one? Look. I have prayed many prayers that never got answered, but it's never stopped me praying prayers again because I've seen God do too many miracles in astounding ways. So why not be bold? Why not come to the throne of grace boldly to find help in time of need like the Scripture says? Why not let your heart rise to that? Why not say, God, I'm coming to you in 2024 with a lot of energy, 36 years of this church? Well, so what? Because we aren't living in the good old days. Amen. We're not staying in those. The good old days are not where we're going. We're going forward in everything that God has for us. Here's number three, the third thing. Don't look at your past to discover your capacity. It's marvellous to me how we do that, when we go, well, no, I've never been any good at that. Or I'm scared of that. Or I, I tried that and it didn't work I find myself sometimes referring to things that we tried that maybe didn't work. And as I'm about to speak it, I feel like the Lord says to me or prompts me in my heart, don't go there, don't speak like that. Maybe this time He'll do it. You just don't know. That doesn't mean we're crazy about it. It just means that we are not going to our past to discover our capacity. 400 years of slavery and being at the bottom, powerless, without any training in battle or any previous experience, did not mean they couldn't win this one. I think personally, that's why 40 years later, when Joshua gets them to the same point and he takes them up to the very first city they're going to conquer, which is Jericho, I think that's the reason why God says put the ark Out there, march around the city seven times, and when I tell you, I want you to shout. I think he did that because these people had no experience of battle. They had no way of knowing, you know, how to really wield the sword. That wasn't their expertise. And I think God wanted to say, let me show you what I can do when you don't have the experience. Let me show you how this can happen. All I'm going to use is your voice. Everybody can shout. All you've got to do is let that go and see what happens and these massive walls of Jericho come down to the bottom. What a remarkable thing. Don't let your past tell you what you're capable of. Are you here with me this morning? Here's number four. Don't let your past tell you who you are. The children of Israel have been slaves but when they walk out of Egypt, they no longer look like slaves. Exodus chapter 12, verse 35 says, Now the children of Israel had done according to the word of Moses. They'd asked from the Egyptians articles of silver, articles of gold and clothing. And the Lord gave them favour in the sight of the Egyptians. So they granted them what they requested and then they plundered the Egyptians. So pause with me a minute while I show you what they look like As they're walking through the desert. Come and help me, my grooming man. Where's the arm going there? I've never dressed like an Israelite before. This is why you need a groomer. Oh, here's my blink. I have a very big head and fortunately doesn't, that's as big as it can make it. But, you know, when these guys come out of, the, out of the wilderness, they look like masters. Why am I doing all this? Not because I want to entertain you so much. as I want you to think about it. These guys come out with all the wealth of Egypt on them. If you'd walked past and you were neither Egyptian nor Israelite, you would have looked at them and you would have said, these guys must be important. These guys must be wealthy. These guys must be people of power. That's what you would have said. And yet when they get there, listen to me, it didn't matter what they were wearing outwardly. What mattered was what they thought about themselves inwardly. Jesus tells us, Himself, take that off before it falls off. Jesus tells us in Isaiah 61, sorry, 61 verse 10, that He's given us a robe of righteousness. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30 says that Jesus has been made unto us wisdom and righteousness. So you and I are given that as a garment. Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. But you know, many people lay down the garment of righteousness and instead, even though it's a gift given by God, they go about wearing the garments of shame. They go about wearing the garments of guilt. They go about putting on the garment of inferiority. They go about putting on the garment of I'm not worthy. And then they lay down the gift that God gave them. Listen to me. Listen, God gave these people all the accoutrement of power and wealth. And they wore it so proudly until an enemy, listen, until an enemy arose. A lot of people can wear the robe of righteousness when they're, when they're in a worship service. huh? Oh, they're powerful and strong when the service is going and the... Are leading, But what I want to know is what do you like on Monday? What do you like on Tuesday? What do you like on Wednesday? By the time we get to Friday, have you cast off the robe of righteousness? Have you laid aside the garments of boldness? And instead of that, now you're wearing the garments of I though so unworthy? Don't allow your past, listen to me, don't let your past, which we all have, tell you who you are. Every single one of us. Under pressure, listen, we'll always revert to the inner picture of ourselves. That's why Ephesians 4 verse 22 says this. It says that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old nature which is corrupt according to deceitful lust, and that you be renewed in the spirit, that's the inward, in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man. So often in Scripture, this new nature is described as a garment. We put it on. Let me say to you today, if you have laid down the garment of righteousness, if instead of that you're wallowing in yesterday's sins and yesterday's mistakes and the failures you've committed, why not pick it up? It is so easy for every one of us, no matter how long we've been a Christian, to lay those things down and instead just wear the garment Pardon me, that we're used to. Huh? Anybody here got a comfortable old pair of jeans? You know, while I was away, I got rid of a pair of shorts that I've had for years. I like those shorts. Now, apart from the fact I'd lost weight and they no longer fitted as well, and the seam of one of them was coming undone. But, you know, I've got to be honest, it was like when I offered it to someone to said, could you make use of this? And they went, yeah, no. But you know, it was familiar to me. Isn't that right? Some of you here, I'm sure. Now, some of you, you're like, nah, I got rid of it because I just, that's it. Every year, clean out the wardrobe. But some of you here know what I'm talking about. You got something. My dear old Broncos, Brisbane Broncos jersey that I had repaired and repaired and repaired and repaired until finally the repairs were stronger than than the jersey itself. And so when our last dog I was going to say went to heaven, but I'm not sure about the theology of that. But when she did, I I took the opportunity to bury her in in my Broncos jersey as a sign of my esteem and affection. Listen to me, listen. Don't wear yesterday's garment just because it fits. Don't wear yesterday's garment just because you're used to it. Here's the last one, number five. Here's the last one. I heard this from the Lord this, this week. I woke up at about three o'clock, I guess, one morning. And I woke up with this thought in my mind, don't let your future go without a fight. You know, I, I, I thought I'll, I'll just go back to sleep and I'll remember it. And I thought maybe I won't, so I'll get up. So I got up at three Anyway. And I went into my study and I wrote down, don't let your future go without a fight. These people haven't tried and failed. They're just going to walk away. Your family is worth fighting for. Your health is worth fighting for. Your destiny, your ministry, it's worth fighting for. This nation, Metro, this nation is worth fighting for. You say, oh, but there are giants there in the Kimberley and what we're doing with red frogs. There are giants and don't you know all the stats? And I go, oh yeah, I know the stats. But we're not going to let our future go without a fight. We had the Minister for Communities here at Hope on Friday morning. And we all know the terrible things that are happening for so many people in that area of community life. But we are not going to let the future go without a fight in Jesus' name. Bow your head with me a moment because I want to talk to you for a second. Those of you here who say to me, Jeff, I don't know Jesus. Jeff, I'm not a Christian yet. Or Jeff, I used to walk with God, but along the way I've lost my way. And I need to come back to Him today. Can we just have every head bowed, every eye closed? Father, Father, as You look across this crowd of people and those are online as well, Lord, as You see the hearts because Lord, nothing in our life is hidden from You. Oh, we could make excuse and say, well, that's why that happened. But Lord, You look into our heart and say, I want to come and live there. Before You ever change our outward, You change our inward. Lord, I pray for every man, every woman, every child. Every person here who says, I need a Saviour today. I need someone who can forgive my sin. Someone who can deal with my past rather than just acknowledge that it happened. Lord, I pray for every man, woman and child here and online in Jesus' Name. Just while heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here this morning in the building, you say to me, Jeff, I want to ask Jesus to forgive me. I want Him to give me a a new future and take away my past. Would you just lift your hand for a minute then put it back down so I can see it wherever you are. Thank you over there. Anybody else just wherever you are, say, Jeff, that's me. I'll look up in the balcony as well. You might have been raised in a church or this is the first time you've been to one. Doesn't matter. Jesus is speaking to you right now. Is there anybody else just wherever you are before I lead you in a prayer and tell you what you can do next to walk with God? then Father, we thank You for that person and for others that are online that right now have got their finger paused just waiting to say yes to You. Thank You for that, Lord, in Jesus' Name. Amen. You can look this way. If you've said yes to Christ this morning, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to this number that's up on the screen, 0488-826-392. Now, by the way, You don't have to remember that. There's cards out there at the info rack and you can take one and do it at your leisure. If you're on the MetroChurch.online platform, there's a Yes button. You can click on that. If you want it via email, you go to yes.metrochurch.org.au. Give us your Yes. That's all you got to do. Why Yes? We don't need your name, your address, your anything. This is what we'll do for you. Apart from the fact that just like I did then, a team of people will start praying for you all the way through this next couple of weeks. They'll be believing for you every day. We will send you a Bible verse and a prayer appropriate to it that are going to help you understand how to walk with God. They fit it literally on one screen of a smartphone. So you can get that. You can allow that to, to just start to talk to you and help you to discover how do I walk with Jesus. We'd be so excited about that and to be able to be a part of your future in that remarkable way, in Jesus' Name. Amen. Amen. Fantastic. Wonderful, Lord. This month, we set aside as a month to honour serving. We believe in this church that every Christian has a gift from God. We believe that every believer has got a part to play. And uh, this Sunday... We wanna honour all those of you that are already serving in the life of this church. And so I got the team to, wow, okay, it's already up. That is a list there, not of every team, because there are many of those that have got lots of sub teams amongst them, like Metro Kids. And so, but that's a list of all the areas where people in this church are faithfully serving God, serving you, and serving our community